0: Right now you can save $50 on Select Battery Tool Sets. Real steel. Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's Freddie Prinz Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey Jeff.
2: Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF on the Twitter machine. We're here to talk some tight ends today. We got some Scott Fishbowl drafts coming up. Like, uh, Fitzy, I know you are ready to rock that one. Premium tight end stuff, so... We're going to talk some tight ends today, right, Fitz?
3: That's right. Only fitting with the Scott Fish Bowl drafts coming up and the emphasis on tight ends since uh, Scott Fish himself loves the tight end position, as does the guy we have here with us as our guest this week. Um, Probably no one better to have on a tight end show than this guy. So I'm really excited to chop it up with him.
2: Coop, Andrew Cooper, the lead analyst, uh, the NFL analyst over at Fantasy Alarm, your 2021 FSW, a football writer of the year. Coop, what is going on, man? You ready to talk some tight ends? I
4: love this topic and I love hanging out with you guys. I'll tell you that what's funny is people will hit me up and they'll be like, come on the show. And, you know, I know you're probably tired of talking tight ends and so we'll talk something else. I'm like... No, dude. I'm like, that's my bread and butter. Like, why are you like, have me on and we'll talk about the thing that I do the most research on that I care about the most. And that is, you know, obviously I, you know, I, I don't have any leagues that are just tight ends. So I have research on every player, (laughs) but this is one of the ones that I, I, I have a reputation to uphold. So, uh, yeah, I'm proud to be on here talking tight ends with you two boys. Let's get to it.
2: Well, that, that is perfect. We're going to go over the top 24 in ECR in terms of Dynasty rankings, talk about our differences, talk about where uh, we're all different, where we all are the same, all that kind of good stuff. So uh, let's get to it and start With the the tight end number ones, one through 12, I will list them off, and then I'll tell you guys about the differences and similarities that we have in this group. The number one dynasty tight end, according to ECR, is Kyle Pitts. Number two is Mark Andrews. Number three is Travis Kelsey. We are all different on their rankings, which is a little surprising. T.J. Hawkinson comes in at number four. Kittle is number five. Dallas Goddard is six, so your top half of tight end ones. Your bottom half, seven to 12, is Pat Furmuth, Dalton Kincaid, the rookie, David Joku at nine, Darren Waller at 10, Greg Dulcich at 11, and Michael Mayer, another rookie, at 12. So, Coop, I want to start with you here because we are all different. We all have a different tight end one. I know the difference for Fitz and I is philosophy because I, even in dynasty, I work in a smaller window. I work in a three year window over the next three years. Even if Kelsey plays one year and retires, he might still be the best tight end of all these guys over the next three years because of how dominant he is. Let all tight ends in receiving yards by like, I think it was 23 receptions, 424 yards, a bunch of touchdowns last year. Um, So he's still great, but he's long in the tooth. So for Dynasty, I understand Pitt's getting that, you know, number one rank, number one in ECR. Most people are looking at long term, but you have Mark Andrews at number one. I respect that. I really like Mark Andrews. Um, You know, I'm a Texas guy. He went to Oklahoma. I'm a Steelers fan. He's a Raven, but we did go to the same high school. So that's a little interesting factoid about uh, Mark Andrews and I, but uh, your thoughts on Mark Andrews and why is he at number one for dynasty uh, for you? Coop? And honestly, for people out
4: there, I have no problem with them ranking any one of those three guys, number one, based on the way you like to play, like you said, and for future reference with Travis Kelsey, you don't need to throw any stats out. The argument for Travis Kelsey (laughs) is Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. That's the entire argument, right? Uh, So for me, I'm, I'm kind of like you, I play to win. I'm always, whenever I do a startup, I'm going to play to win. That's why my top 10, uh, I start by saying, okay, who could finish top five? And all those guys are going to go up towards the top. Who could finish top five this year? That's what I care most about, right? Uh, It's too hard to read the tea leaves any deeper. And just for everybody out there, uh, to make it real quick, I have a simple system for Dynasty I use. It's called SORT. Start Opportunity Roster Talent. If you're playing to win now, you need to start opportunity. And sometimes at this position, guys that maybe aren't the most talented have the opportunity, and that's how they finish. Uh, In the top, right? Look at uh, Eric Ebron with Andrew Luck catching all those touchdowns or or Logan Thomas in 2020. So that's what I do. But again, on the bench, you want as many talented guys as possible, but you might have to wait a little bit. Dallas Goddard stuck behind Zach Ertz for uh, four years. Delaney Walker stuck behind Vernon Davis for 100 years. I think it was seven (laughs) years, right, before he broke out. So you stash those guys. For me, Mark Andrews, right now, he just fits perfectly in between. The age apex for Uh, You know, running back has us all over the place and and feeling like guys turn 28, they're dead. But with tight end, that's kind of the age apex. Travis Kelsey didn't have a thousand yard season until he was 27. Zach Ertz had one 1000 yard season in his entire career when he was 28 years old. Right. So the fact that Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews have already done that and Andrews is hitting the age apex now. Kyle Pitts hasn't even hit it yet. That's what puts Andrews at one, Pitts at two, and Kelsey at three. But if you were the guy that's going out and drafting Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, then you should have Travis Kelsey one because you're win now, right? So yeah. it's that's the fun part about Dynasty is that there's
2: so Everybody many Everybody has layers. different strategies. There's so many layers, yeah. yeah. It's not like redraft. Redraft is win this year, and that's that. Uh, You, you can go many different ways in Fitzy, You have Kyle Pitts at number one. And look, it makes sense. And people complain about Kyle Pitts in his season last year It's still very good, even though Atlanta wasn't throwing the ball at all. And you know, it's the previous season, he had over a thousand yards just about getting in the end zone for him.
3: Yeah. And um, you know, Pitts had the injury last year. He had a, an abundance of uncatchable targets. Um, but like, I, I do find it interesting with these three tight ends and how people sort them out. I think it, Tells you a lot about how people play dynasty, how they rank these three players. Cause I think you could make a case for ordering these guys in any different way, but it is kind of a, a Goldilocks and the three bears situation with the uh, bowls of porridge. And it's like, yeah. um, you know, Travis Kelsey has this impeccable production profile with virtually no blemishes on it, like durable, uh, you know, he's going to produce, he's got the best quarterback in the game throwing to him. But he's teetering kind of close to the age cliff here, and you don't know exactly how long you're you're going to get out of him. And, you know, the actuarial tables really aren't on your side with Travis Kelsey. Then you've got Pitts, who's got some short-term obstacles here. The, uh, you know, quarterback situation, the run heaviness of Arthur Smith and the Falcons offense. But, you know, he's this terrific young talent, and he's going to be in the league producing for another 10 years probably and then you've got, like, you know, the hot porridge, the cold porridge, and then uh, maybe Mark Andrews is just right because it's that balance. <laughs> He's at, you know, sort of peak age, um, you know, so, like, you don't have to worry about him tumbling over the age cliff. And, uh, you know, the production, not quite Kelsey level, but still really, really good. And, uh, you, know, I
4: think you I think you sum up the way a lot of fantasy gamers, the way we feel when you call Desmond Ritter... An obstacle in Arthur Smith cold porridge. <laughs> I, think that's how, I think that's how we're all feeling right now with that yeah. team. Unless right? you're a B.
2: John Robinson fan,
4: you know, Unless yeah. You're out there, yeah. If you're and looking the at the porridge is scorching game. hot, right? Yeah.
2: If, if, if you love, if you love uh, pits in London, you hate Arthur Smith. Uh, that that is for sure. Uh, before we move on to more tight ends here, um, I got to tell you guys, if you want to win a free year of Fantasy Pros Premium, subscribe to the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel and comment below on this video because when you do. You can win a free FRWE upgrade to Fantasy Pros Premium, whether you're looking for custom mock drafts, salary cap tools, or in-depth analysis of your fantasy performance. Fantasy Pros Premium has the tools to help you win. Unlock the most powerful fantasy tools in the industry. Don't want to wait for the giveaway. Sign up today over at fantasypros.com slash premium and start playing smarter, not harder. And we're adding some stuff for premium subscribers pretty soon as well, Fitz, correct?
3: We are, bugs. Um A lot of stages on uh, Discord with yeah. the Fantasy Pros analysts. So, uh, you know, you can come on, <laughs> pick our brains, ask us questions in the chat, come up and talk to us. We're all going to be doing the uh, regular weekly stages pretty much from now until uh, starting next week right up until the start of the regular season and then you know we'll also be doing them during the regular season
2: uh Coop, i want to ask you about um tj hawkinson we all have him at four he seems you know pretty consensus here behind those top three you also mentioned i don't care if any if anybody has those top three guys ranked at one is someone crazy to put hawkinson over those top three, is he closer to that top tier or is he closer to the next tier in ECR, which, by the way, you can find over at uh, Fantasy Pros if you guys want to take a look at these ECRs and get them up to date. Go to Fantasy Pros and check them out. But um, at four, is he closer to that Pitts-Andrews-Kelsey tier or closer to the kittle goddard pat Furmuth tier? So for me, he's
4: closer to that, the second tier. But what you have to ask yourself is how you feel about Jordan Asson. Because the the vast majority of tight ends that both finish a top five and offer consistency from week to week, which is a big thing. Like Evan Ingram, you know, he finished top five, but he wasn't the most consistent and he wasn't the top two target on the team. So you got to look at it and say, okay, if I if I don't love Addison and I think TJ Hawkinson can do what he did last year, which down the stretch, I mean, we're talking eight, nine, 10 targets a game. Right. And Adam Thielen was the one that fell off a little bit during that stretch. Then you love him. But if you're in on Jordan Addison, it's kind of tough to be in on all three of these guys. The Vikings last year were actually the only team in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, that had three guys get over 100 targets. And during that span when Hawk was there, Adam Thielen wasn't really on 100-target pace. That's the real problem there. That's the rub is that it's very rare, even in 17-game season, to have three guys get 100 targets. So that's the game we play here. If you love Jordan Addison, you might have to be out a little bit on Hawk. Uh, Me personally, I think Hawk can hold him off for one or two years at least. And that's why I got him here, man, because not many guys have that kind of opportunity with the volume that you're going to get with Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins, right? Like, they, that's hockey-chucking and and football over there, right?
2: <laughs> it's funny. I just did a player debate over on ITL between uh, Debro and I where I had to take the Jordan Addison side. He took Drake London. And my main point was that the Vikings passed the ball 257 more times than the Falcons did. That's 15 more passes per game. And they just got rid of the best part of the running game in Dalvin Cook to pass more because they had a Jordan Addison. So all three of these guys can work. It's just one of those guys is going to have a higher pace. I'm kind of more of an Addison guy. I do really like TJ Hawkinson, though. Both these guys are tough Fitz, What is it about him? And for you, is he closer to that top tier or is he closer to that secondary tier?
3: Secondary tier. Like I didn't even really consider him, um, you know, on the same, the same plateau as those other dudes. Um, But yeah, there is a lot to like, you know, there are going to be a lot of targets. Uh, We talked about, you know, the aggressive throwing of the Vikings and I don't think that's going to change because probably not significant enough improvements on defense To keep them out of shootouts. Uh, I do think, you know, we're going to see a lot of uh, high point totals every week with the Vikings for the most part. It just seems like they're built to be a shootout team this year. Uh,
2: We, I got to ask you, Coop, are Fitz and I, we both are high on uh, Kincaid and Michael Mayer, who come in here uh, as, you know, tight end ones. ECR, you are at consensus with Kincaid at eight. Uh, you were significantly below consensus on mayor. Is this more of a rookie tight end rule? Yeah, I know tight end is the hardest uh, position to, to translate from college to the NFL because you go from blocking guys that might be at used car dealerships in a week to blocking TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. And now you have to run up against Roquan Smith. Uh, and, and stuff like that. And you have to body up Jalen Ramsey. Like, you you know, you have to face all of the hardest defenders in the league at, as a tight end, you got to block, you got to catch passes. You got to know how to chip. You got to know how to split. There's so much to do for a tight end. Is that just a general rule that you have for rookies or is it, look, I like Kincaid. He's definitely a tight end one, but Mayer is not that level of talent.
4: Yeah, so I don't like the general rules, right? So I okay. don't like the idea that uh, the people say, "Oh, third year breakout," right? I think that that's a fool. Like that's you're trying to simplify a very complicated situation. I'm usually the one that has to pour cold cold water all over the rookie tight end. So I'm I'm glad this year uh, we have guys that actually get over a lot of those hurdles. The problem for rookie tight ends is that, uh, especially for fantasy, so you take the blocking part out of it. Like let's just say that part's completely out of the equation or or, or the, they are either good at blocking or they're just a strictly pass-catching guy. First, you need to be the best pass-catching tight end in that room. If you're Dallas Goddard joining a room with Zach Ertz, you're not going to get the slot job. You're going to be the inline guy. Same with Cole Komet next to Jimmy Graham. So, there's so many situations. Hayden Hurst, so, so it's like you run into that problem first. Then to actually have upside for fantasy, we talked about how you got to be a top-two target on the team. So now if there's if there's two or three wide receivers that are better at catching passes than you, you're already drawn dead. So for a rookie to walk onto an NFL team and be a top-two target you better be Kyle Pitts, right? That's why we like Kyle Pitts. Uh, Evan Ingram, he finished top five as a rookie, but Odell Beckham Jr. had to tear his knee up in week four for that to happen. The other guys that have done it, we have to go back to Jeremy Shockey and like Mike Dicca. So it just doesn't happen often. But this year, we get we get a golden opportunity with Dalton Kincaid, where I can say to myself, okay, Stevon Diggs, he's won. Uh, we're, we're all nodding our heads because, you know, uh, I would love for somebody to walk up in here and tell me somebody else has won, right? But at two... Maybe last year made. with
2: Gabe Davis, they would have
4: <laughs> done Yeah, had. I would have that anymore. too. Not yeah, after exactly. 2022. Yeah. yeah, we won that one. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, with, with um, so it's like now with Gabe Davis, that there's a debate to be had whether Dalton Kincaid operating out of the slot with Dawson Knox as the inline tight end. Can he be a top two target on the team right away? Or can he be next year? Right. And, and a guy like Kincaid, of course, over the long term, you also have to factor in the fact that Diggs is 30 right and he's also complaining and jet setting off to paris for fashion week so uh you know there's a lot go- that goes into it for long term for kincaid but for short term that's why i have him up here at eight and you guys are willing to go six and seven is because over the short term he could actually be relevant this year so i'm very much in on dalton kincaid
2: what about michael mayer what makes him low on that list Well, let's take the things that I just talked about there.
4: I mean, first and foremost, he is a two-way tight end. He could end up on the blocking side of the tree, which is brutal. Delaney Walker, Dallas Goddard. Two guys ended up on the blocking side, had to fight their way. David Joku exactly. Austin Hooper is the exact guy that put him on that side. And now Austin Hooper is going to be there with Michael Mayer. But it's not even Austin Hooper we're worried about. Like Devontae Adams got 180 targets. He's there. They already had Hunter Renfro and they said, hey, we have Hunter Renfro. How about second Hunter Renfro? And brought in Jacoby Myers. Like for (laughs) me to like Michael Mayer over the short term, I've got to create some sort of narrative that he can be – get more targets than both Kobe Myers and Hunter Renfro. And I just, I can't do it right now. Not to mention, (laughs) we thought he was going to be the, uh, the slam dunk, number one, tight end, the two way tight end. Well, he didn't go first and he didn't go second either. So for me, I'm just saying, Hey, I would rather throw him on the back burner. Let somebody else take him and then wait for that window to start opening. And then you go and sneak in there and say, Hey, let me trade for this guy. He's, he's not doing a thing, you know? Yeah.
2: He, he feels way better than Austin Hooper because Austin Hooper has kind of been in the background and banged up recently, but Austin Hooper is a very experienced tight end and a very good pass catching tight end. So uh, just stuck in some bad offenses recently. So uh, let's go to the guys that we are all below consensus. And it's not by a wide margin here on either one of these guys. Uh, Pat Furmuth, we're all below. He's, is uh, ECR 7. Uh, Coop's got him at 10. Fitz and I have him at 8. David and Joku is ECR 9. Coop and I have him at 12. Fitz has him at 11. So we're all below consensus. We're not killing either one of these guys. It's just there are shots that we would rather take earlier. Um, do you have any worry about these guys? Or is, is it just that, like, look, these are both talented guys, but I'd rather have some players above them. That's all. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is this is the
4: problem. If if you could sit here and tell me that the if it was like Pat Fryermuth and the wide receivers on the team were like you know Tyler Lockett or Keenan Allen and they were thirty or thirty one years old and I could I could predict some sort of decline at some point, then yeah. But right now, I look at it, we got Kenny Pickett who last year only threw seven touchdowns. Even uh, juicing that number up, it's going to be hard for him to support three assets, right? So Deontay Johnson gets 140 targets no matter what. And then now it's George Pickens versus Pat Frymuth. Now there are some good stats in Frymuth's favor. Red zone targets, huge. I also sat down and uh, took every uh, took every team and I set the parameters to three minutes left in the second quarter, fourth quarter or overtime to simulate two-minute two, two minute drill. They call it the two-minute drill, but the minute before the two-minute warning yeah. is part of it, right? Like, it, it should really be like the three-minute Around minute drill, the
2: two-minute drill. Right?
4: Yeah. Around the t- exactly. Like, you're you're using that as a timeout. So uh, I looked that up. Pat Frymeuth not only had the most targets in those situations of any player, not tight end any player, but the wow. highest percentage of his team's targets, like 70%. So they leaned on him there. But at the end of the day, I sit here and say to myself, I think George Pickens is the guy ahead of him. If you think that Friar is ahead of George Pickens, move him up. That's the beauty of this is that uh, like right now in June or July, nobody can be completely wrong, right? You just lean into your own opinions. I think you guys agree with me with where you have them ranked. Probably you have Pickens ahead in terms of targets. Fitz, how do you feel about Pickens? Fitz pickings? does not.
2: Uh, I, oh, Fitz okay. does not like Pickens. Uh, I can tell the you move, that.
4: Move move, Muth. Fitz, let's go. Yeah, I mean, get, a I, little, I like get a little it. crazy. <laughs> get crazy here, man. So, you
3: know, I'm, I'm barely below consensus on Friar Muth. Yeah. I, I do like him a okay. lot, and I like the fact that you know he uh, his average te- depth of targets got a little deeper. Like it— I think it spiked by three yards last year his his yards per target went up. Um, So even though we saw the drop in touchdowns from seven to two from his rookie year to his second year, like I think all the other indicators were sort of positive for him and yeah, like I don't love that Pickett is his guy and uh, you know, there is some competition for targets with the wideouts and Najee. um, But like, I, I do think he's a pretty good player and uh you know i don't feel too bad if he's my starting tight end on a dynasty team
2: yeah i i don't i i fairmouth is still a good player it's just a lack of you know naji didn't get all those uh targets either last year because he played half the season hurt they added darnell washington as well so as much as i love pat um You know, uh, I I feel like there's a little uh, steam taken out of his sails or wind taken out of his sails here. That's the hardest part about this position, though, right? We have to sit here and say we think these are good players.
4: Like I I sit here and say I think George Kittle is a good player, but the opportunity with a weird quarterback situation and Debo and Ayuk and and CMC – that's why I get murdered on Twitter all the time, Fitz. I should probably just get off there because it's so hard. Like to the average, <laughs> to the average person, it's uh, in 280 characters, it's very difficult for me to say, I think this guy is a tremendous football player. And I, I and I don't think he has the opportunity to be a good fantasy football player. It doesn't make sense to the to the casuals. That's why we have this show, right? And you guys have this show so you can explain <laughs> what the hell's going on here. Right. When I put yeah. it on Twitter, it's just you know, San Francisco 49ers pants and their jean their jean shorts are coming out at me from every direction dude <laughs> uh, look i'm not gonna knock jean shorts all right
2: i'm a texas guy. i'm a southern boy all right this is what gets me in trouble George. every time dude I, I i don't i don't hate the shorts, but i'm also not from florida i'm not gonna wear them with uh, socks and sandals so okay there. Uh, that's we,
4: fair that's a fair place to draw the line
2: <laughs> we're gonna move on down to the uh the tight ends that are in uh tight end two according to ecr but before we do i gotta tell you guys about reality sports online and by now most of you have heard of reality sports online the powerful fantasy sports platform where our owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an nfl general manager but the question is have you tried it it's time to go see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about free agency multi-year contracts a rookie draft multi-team trades franchise tags contract extensions first round rookie options automated contract and salary cap functionality and much much more think it sounds complicated. It is not the best thing about reality sports online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. If you think you're among the fantasy elite, this is a platform to test your metal. If you're still not sure you can test out your general manager skills for free frwe in a mock. If you like what you see, use promo code fantasy pros to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real over at reality sports online.
0: Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpresscom Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save fifty dollars on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, twenty four. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans! Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Once again, you can check out all of these ECR rankings over at Fantasy Pros. So we dive into the tight end twos, thirteen through twenty-four. At thirteen is Evan Ingram. 14 is Sam LaPorta, the rookie from Detroit. 15, Chigazima Conquo from Tennessee. 16, Cole Komet. 17, Dalton Schultz. 18, Trey McBride. 19 is Luke Musgrave, the rookie from Green Bay. 20, Juwan Johnson. 21 from Noah Fant. 22 is Jelani Woods. 23 is Mike Kosicki. And 24 is Gerald Everett. We have a lot of similarities. Let's start with some love here. We we went hate early, uh, I feel like, in the last bunch of tight ends. Let's go love. We're all higher than consensus on Laporta and McBride, all three of us. So, Coop. Tell me what it is. Why are we higher? Why should we be higher than consensus on Laporta and McBride?
4: Yeah, and the more I think about some of these guys I have ahead, I might I might need to move Laporta up to where you guys have him because I love this guy Laporta, man. Just from a, uh, if we talk, like, forget the landing spot. This guy, his tape is electric. He broke 20 tackles as a senior. In the bowl game, he broke six on, like, one play. Like this guy is <laughs> he's magic, right? I've been calling him Sam Teleporta because he can make guys miss like crazy, right? So uh he's super exciting. Then he goes to a team where they didn't go out and get a big split end, right? Cause that's that's a, a huge thing for for tight end success is getting the snaps at wide receiver. And our immediate thought is well, we want the slot snaps, but Travis Kelsey, uh Darren Waller, Hunter Henry at times, these guys are lining all the way up wide and just being the split end and just Wide receiver comes out of the game completely. Why can't Sam Laporta do that with Almond Ross St. Brown in the slot and uh, Jameer Gibbs doing whatever they're going to have him doing. And Marvin Jones just being a, uh, a wily veteran, but not really a target hog at this point. Right. Uh, so yeah, Sam Laporta could, could jump right away, man, especially with that situation.
2: Yeah. I, I love Laporta and I mean, Fitz, you know, you're a big 10 guy. He did all of his action. I mean, top 10, uh, in uh, receiving grade, top 10 in yards per route run among tight ends in college football last year for the 123rd-ranked pass offense in Iowa who couldn't do anything. Like, uh, five of the eight teams below them were triple-option teams. They were they had some disgusting QB play last year, and Jared Goff may, may, might be a middle-of-the-pack QB in the NFL fits, but for Sam Laporta, he uh, represents a tremendous upgrade from what he had at Iowa. So just get open for that guy and uh, Laporta is going to be able to do some big damage quickly, right?
3: Yeah. So that Iowa offense was just uh, like, you had to see it to to realize just how <laughs> bad it was. And for Laporta to be just, uh, you know, far and away the best guy in that offense and the one thing that worked in the Hawkeyes offense. So yes, like I, I think he'll enjoy Getting, uh, you know, being in a functional offense and getting targets from Jared Goff for for all the grief Goff gets, uh, he's a lot better than what uh, Laporta was dealing with in Iowa.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'll say one thing on that. It's some. There's something to be said about being the the focal point of the offense and everyone knows it and still getting it done. And versus still like- getting
2: it done. Yeah, yeah like right.
4: Alabama, Cameron, Cameron Latu is like the f- eighth option. That's why when you look at his tape, there's not really a lot of contested catches or man-to-man because nobody's watching him. But right. LaPorta was doing it as the dude. Yeah, so. and
3: what well, what Coop was saying, by the way, about like how tough he is and how many tackles he breaks, like there is some George Kittle to Sam LaPorta's yeah. game. Like he's really fun to watch and he does not Iowa. go down easily. Exactly. I mean, exactly. The Mile yes. boys. I think yes. factory. Kittle's kind of a mentor to him too, I think. So, um, you know, we would like yeah, to Noah see. Noah fans a
2: letdown. Uh, I was so excited for Noah Fan. I thought he was better than than Hawkinson even. And he yeah. has been an absolute letdown. May, may, maybe this is the year, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think so. What about speaking of guys where we know the ball is going to this guy? And he still is great in college. Colorado State's Trey McBride was absolutely that guy. We're all higher on him because I think, you know, he got stuck behind Zach Ertz. It's what Coop was talking about in in the the first uh, part of it. You're not getting targets. I mean, Dallas got it. The same thing happened to him to start uh, because he was behind Zach Ertz. And Trey McBride, um, while he, I think he's a stud, we all have him above ECR, He's just been behind Ertz, but now he has an opportunity uh, to cement himself in this offense with Ertz missing, we we assume, at least a little bit uh, to start the season after tearing his knee in January. Exactly. And it was just like
4: with Dallas Goddard and, uh, and Zach Ertz with the Eagles, where the game is that Ertz would miss. Mm-hmm. And this is why I actually moved Goddard up back in those days when Ertz finally did miss time, because I thought God, I was like, if Goddard gets stuck playing in line, even with Ertz out, then we had, we're going to be scared. But when, they, when Ertz got hurt, they moved Goddard into the slot and he was playing in that Ertz role, running more routes, getting more targets, blocking on fewer pass plays. Trey McBride, when Ertz went down, credit to him. He went out there and he played wide receiver for a ton of snaps. He had a game with 10 targets i mean how many times the rookie end ever get 10 targets right uh i mean he he did get popped pretty bad by marcus jones in that patriots game but hey you know it's uh <laughs> ev- everyone's got their welcome to the league moment that's uh, right I, i'd say Trey mcbride you know he he could have a chance to start right away and he was getting those targets from the backup from colt mccoy colt mccoy clayton toon one of those guys going to start this year and maybe they decide to dump it down to McBride. So yeah, I had to move him up a bit and uh, and we like the profile. And that's why for me, I look at where he's at, McBride in the process and the window actually potentially being open now versus Michael Mayer. I I, I just can't
2: have uh, the rookie ahead just right now. You know? Yeah, especially when you're looking at a shorter window. Uh, you know, I, I, I understand that uh, for sure. Now let's talk about, uh, a little bit of hate here. We're all below ECR on Ingram and Everett. Fitz when we get into this, you know, uh, it's a, it's 14, 15 and sixteen. We're not crazy low on Ingram. Any of us, even I'm three spots off. I don't think I'm insane. And we're all, we just all have Gerald Everett as a tight end three. I think a lot of that has to do. With age, uh, you know, he's 29. Um, He's got a lot of miles on him, too, for a 29-year-old, Gerald Gerald Everett does. So uh, what is it about these guys that just put them a little bit below ECR for you, Fitzy?
3: There's no knocking what Ingram did last year. Terrific year, but additional target competition with the arrival of Calvin Ridley, that's a big thing. Um, The fact that, I don't know, he's let us down before. He's had issues with drops. He's had issues with injuries. Um, You know, there have been more disappointing than fulfilling seasons with Evan Ingram historically. So, um, like, I'm not that far below consensus on him, and neither are you guys, really. So it's just that, you know, it's hard to be really bullish on a guy who now probably is the third option at best in that offense, even though it's an ascending offense and even though he had pretty good chemistry with Trevor Lawrence last year. And then Everett, oh, sorry, yeah, let's go ahead.
2: Go ahead with Everett too. Yeah, I
3: mean, like, I've seen some enthusiasm for from him for him in redraft. I I, like, I just can't buy it. I really think Everett's just a guy, and you know, I I know he's playing in a a good offense, but like now that's a team that's got three pretty good wide receivers, so uh, like it's hard to see him staking out a significant target share. And it's hard to see him popping when he hasn't really popped uh, in situations that were even more favorable for him as far as targets.
2: Yeah. It's funny with Everett. it's like, uh, you know, you're in LA you're stuck behind you know some big dogs in LA when that offense is really humming obviously and even when you weren't stuck behind the receivers you're stuck behind Gurley getting 800 touches a year right and then he goes to Seattle and they call him a fancy tight end and then they trade for Noah fan uh, I just you know uh he, his career has been a little bumpy as well uh but you know in terms of of uh Evan Ingram Coop they also drafted Brenton Strange in the second round, so you know his long-term future in jacksonville doesn't seem to be there either Uh, i believe he was signed by that urban meyer group as well so you know yes he was great last year he was uh there's there's no doubt about that uh but like fitz said calvin coming in and everett i don't know i think i'm just done with everett hype
4: yeah i think engram made a bit of a mistake his his um his agent did, where a lot of guys are are going with the void years and stuff to protect them from the uh, franchise tag. And e- Ingram got tagged, and he's not happy about it. How do I know that? Because I actually tweeted that Engram, I'm like, this guy plays slot, he's a big slot player, and uh, he's a better blocker than a lot of slot guys, and he's going to get paid less than a lot of these slot guys are. And Evan Ingram actually retweeted that so he's he's out there searching his own name on there and uh, and, and again <laughs> he's not my good. baby yeah. yeah so you know so that's that explains the Brenton Strange pick because basically he's saying well, I'm not gonna be back next year. Like you now, you gotta pay me next year. So I think that's the plan. Is they're gonna let him walk. And for Dynasty, and this is what's so crazy. about what we do is that I've been a Evan Ingram guy. Fitz, we talked about Evan Ingram last year on this show, and we were in at, in redraft at pick 20. finished five. But now I got to explain to my followers why you know all last year we were doing victory laps and cartwheels. But this year, with the addition of Calvin Ridley, now you got to do that target totem pole over again. And where do you put Calvin Ridley? Is Calvin Ridley or Evan Ingram? Because Christian Kirk is going to get his. We we He's just, he was so rock solid. You know, he's going to get a hundred plus targets, right? So is Evan Ingram or Calvin Ridley going to get more targets? And for me, I have to put Ridley ahead. I just think he's a better pass catcher. So it, it's a tough gig, right? And Gerald Everett, I, that one makes no sense to me. We're talking about a guy that only played more than 70% of the snaps twice. I don't know if it was conditioning or scheme or what, but he was a part-time player at times, even with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams missing games at different times. And now when I sit down and I say target pecking order, right? Uh, you have Keenan Allen, you have Mike Williams, you have the rookie Quentin Johnston, which even if you're not going to say Quentin Johnson gets a bunch of targets, if one of those wide receivers gets hurt, now he slides <laughs> right in there. If, right? what do you mean F? You when, mean when one of those wide yeah. receivers gets hurt <laughs> but now so now they have a guy a little better than josh palmer and here's the real rub austin eckler is a guy that routinely gets 100 targets he's gotten 120 so austin eckler might be ahead of uh mike everybody. williams like everybody right so it's like where does he fall in four at best nightmare dude like if put it this way if the guy that drafts gerald everett uh is, is Gerald Everett's fantasy relevant? It doesn't matter who gets Gerald Everett because the guy that got Justin Herbert is going to win the league by a million, right? <laughs> like if all those guys are relevant, whoever gets Herbert won, you're drafting right. like a handcuff. So Gerald Everett missed me with that for sure.
2: All right, so let's go to some individual love and hate here. Coop, you love Juwan Johnson. You hate uh, Cole Komet. Obviously, I'm using hyperbole here. You're just right. low on Komet uh, at 21. And then uh, you have Juwan Johnson at, uh, where did Juwan Johnson go? Uh, you have him at 16, where his consensus is 20. And Fitz and I both have him at ECR. We're both higher on Comet. What is it uh, that you like about Juwan? What is it that you dislike about Komet? I'll start with the negative first just because we want to end it on a positive note, right? Sure. So
4: Cole Komet, I liked him last year I was in. uh, Pretty devastated when he started the season with back-to-back zeros, right? But he kind of bounced back uh, with touchdowns and finished like tight end eight. But the problem you run into with Komet is that not only is it a low-volume offense, but you have a quarterback who's prone to run and not throw as much to his low-A dot targets. We've seen that mathematically. I believe uh, your own – uh, or, uh, Andrew Erickson, who, who, you know, is, uh, you know, he's a, uh, a friend of the, uh, the program. He, um, he did a study on mobile quarterbacks, tar- dumping the ball down. They don't do it as much, not nearly as much. The bottom three quarterbacks in, in targeting the running back last year, the, the teams were the Eagles, the bears and the Ravens. So it is scary from that standpoint. The other is they added DJ Moore, and I kind of like Mooney. I even kind of like chase Claypool. So. Last year was his opportunity to be a top two target on the team or actually lead the team in targets, which he technically did with Darnell Mooney going down, and he didn't really flash much. That's why now I'm like, okay, things got worse for him, but we still like him. I'm a little scared there. Now on the flip side with Juwan Johnson, this is a converted wide receiver that's playing tight end. It's everything we asked for. Right? Like I was, uh, I, I was, uh, you can check my post history. I was, me and my followers were sending messages to Yahoo saying, this guy's a tight end, add tight end eligibility. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like well, I was that annoying dude, like hitting up like Fantasy Cares and and they really are not Fantasy Cares, Fantasy Cares is Scott Fishbowl. You should hit them up and give them a bunch of money. But Yahoo Fantasy Cares is their like thing. And they're very good. They're very nice. And they did change it. But I was that annoying guy, but we got what we wanted. And uh, my call to everybody out there, I actually like Michael Thomas. Uh, real quick, yes or no. Are you guys yes, in, or no, out on Michael I'm Thomas? I'm out on Michael. I just can't do it. I, okay.
2: I, I, I drafted him too many times to be high on him.
4: Well, then here's the here's the rub there, right? It, we like Chris Olave. If you're out on Michael Thomas and so many people, as a guy who's in, so many people come to me and they say, oh, he's, he's a bum, he's dust, he's going to get hurt. Okay, what are you doing about it? but how are you how are you arbitrating that situation do you like Rahe- rashid jahid or maybe you like Juwan Johnson, right? You do like him. I like, so, them, both, I, I like them both. I actually, I like right. Juwan I like
2: Johnson. Yeah.
4: Right. So it's like eh, the people out there take your anger towards Michael Thomas and channel it into some trade offers for Juwan Johnson. And my angle, my
2: anger is to Adam Troutman. I, I thought that guy was going to yeah. work out. Yeah, me for too, So man. long, and that's why I didn't. I wasn't in on Juwan Johnson, but yeah. I mean, now well, well, obviously he was, he was so good happened. at at
4: Dayton, right? No.
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> does
3: the does the arrival of um. Foster Moreau at all concern you I mean like he did work with Carr before like you can yeah, have well, that narrative
4: the Foster Moreau you're right and uh, Man, Foster Moreau scene. he's got that he's got that narrative he's got the hard knocks like that's what originally put him on the scene and also we're all rooting for him like yeah. him, John Mechie, James Conner, these guys are doing something amazing to be getting beyond cancer, playing in the NFL. So we're all rooting for him. The problem is, I've seen Darren Waller get hurt a bunch of times, and I've seen wide receivers get hurt on the on the on the, Ra- on the Raiders. I've seen wide receivers get get kicked off the team. I've seen them go to jail. And Foster Moreau <laughs> still had has never had a seventy yard game, not one. Like I've seen this guy start a lot of games and I I tell people, I say, point me at the Foss Moreau good game. Show me a Foss Moreau highlight. That's that's where everyone says, well, there's got to be something. And then they come back and they're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like i like, send me a clip, right? Send me the, the clip, right? And that, that's where I get them. But that so for me, I just give me the guy who's a wide receiver. I think I think Foss Moreau should have a solid inline role play a bit, but I just I can't see I, I'm going for upside. I want upside. That's what I want.
2: If you're looking for all of the angles, let me remind you guys to explore your team's potential with my Playbook's Dynasty Trade Analyzer at fantasypros.com/nfl/myplaybook. You can trust the rankings. Our tools factor in the ECR for every single trade that you would do. You can include rookie draft picks to get a comprehensive trade overview to see where they're. Ranked and rated against the players. You can get clear visual feedback feedback on how trades can improve your team. Uh, level up your dynasty league and game today at fantasypros.com slash NFL slash my playbook. Uh, Fitzy, I got one for you. You are high man on Jelani Woods uh, for all three of us. Not a bad guy to be high man on, especially when Saints, Shane Sykin comes out and says, this is the Dallas Goddard. Of the new look Colts offense, it's a good spot to be in. Guy is huge, uh, very physically talented. What is it you love about Jelani Woods?
3: That's it. The trades Boggs, big and fast, and it's great to hear Steichen give him that sort of endorsement. And so you know, hopefully he can grow with Anthony Richardson, and that becomes a quality pitch and catch combo. Because uh, you know, I'm kind of getting sick of the revolving door The the Colts have been having at tight end for the last few years, like Mo Ali Cox and. Colin Grants, like let's just get one guy. Let's let's run it back to the Dallas Clark era here with the Colts and have like one guy we can count on. But um, Bugs, we gotta we gotta ask Coop about Chig Oconquo because he's like he's got him at at nine tight end nine, and I've got him at thirteen, and you've got him at tight end nineteen. So um, obviously, like there is a level of enthusiasm for Coop here with Chig that uh, you know. Like, I'm kind of there, and you're, you're clearly not there, Boggs, but— um. Yeah,
2: look, for me, I'll just tell you guys, It I have size and longevity concerns for for Okonkwo, because he is slider of frame, uh, he's going to be taking some big hits, and he's going to have some big usage over the next two years. It's funny, because I have, in my redraft rankings, I have Okonkwo high. Because I, you know, this year it's Traylon Burks and nobody are your options uh, among wide receivers for Tennessee. So Chig could be the he could be the leading target getter for this team. But long term, I do have a little con- concerns about uh, his size and you know just Tennessee potentially drafting someone else uh, that that can is more of an all around tight end that they would want to use more if O'Connel doesn't hit this year. So I do think he has a pretty good ceiling. But I think the floor risk hurts me on a conco a little bit. What is it about Chig that puts him into the as a tight end one for you, Coop? Yeah. So for me, like I in redraft, I think I have him at, at eight or seven or eight.
4: Like I can't put him ahead of Waller and Kittle, but I got him right there. And this, I have him at nine. And I've never been afraid to get aggressive with this position, especially if I believe in the research that I've done. Uh, so and the depth this- of this position is pr- pretty good right now. Right. So we're just looking for guys that can potentially be that high-end, rip-the-doors-off guy. And I understand your concern for him size and weight-wise, but the beauty is he played a ton of snaps at wide receiver, tons of snaps in the slot, and only blocked on 2% of his pass plays. It's when you're in the mix too much with your hand in the dirt and the getting jumbled up, like with Jason Garrett making Evan Engram do that at, you know, he's, he's like 6'3", 234, running a four. <laughs> Four four two, and he's like, "Yeah, get get in there with the big go balls. block, Michael but,
2: Parsons, right, right?" Yeah, and
4: everyone's like, "He's injury prone, <laughs> exactly, right?" Like, go block Michael Parsons. <laughs> That's literally what they were doing. Like, I'm like Bryce Young. He's rocking Bryce Young. I'm like, "What is going on?" Like, so, uh, like if they use him properly, now now we have a guy that when I look at, uh, and I'm gonna use uh, this, I'm gonna use some high end examples here. Uh, you look at Mark Andrews' rookie year. He had 35% snap share because they had Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. Uh, he only caught about 32 targets. But when you look at the usage, he was playing slot. He was blocking on only 1.7% of the pass plays. Uh, he was running decent ADOT routes. Uh, his catch rate was good. His contested catch rate was good. Here's the thing with Chig. 35% of the snaps as a rookie behind Jeff Swaim and Austin Hooper, who are both gone. Uh, he caught 30 some passes. He caught three touchdowns, just like Mark Andrews. In every one of those stats, except for one, he was actually slightly better than Mark Andrews. He had, uh, you know, he had a better contested catch rate. He was better versus man to man. He uh, it, basically the only stat that he was better in was uh, a dot Mark Andrews getting a little farther downfield, right? That's something that that can change, but that was the one stat, right? And then we look over at the profile and we look at guys that if you're not going to get the targets, we need speed. That's how you get extra a dot. That's how you get extra yak. He ran a four-five-two. That's 95 percentile. That's George Kittle. He runs a 4-5-2. And Kittle is uh, the only player in the league that has multiple 70-yard plays as a tight end. In fact, only two tight ends in the league currently have three plays in the same year of 40-plus yards. One of them is George Kittle. The other one was last year, Chicka Conquo on 35% of the snaps. You take a guy like that with his profile, both in terms of physicality and his yards per route run, which again, higher than Mark Andrews like 2.6. And you just sprinkle more snaps on there. That's how we get production. That's how we got the Mark Andrews breakout. And I'm in on the chick breakout. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does pan out, it pans out in a big way. That's why I'm willing to make the bet. But I'll give you this on that one box. The floor is what you say it is. It 100% is what you say it is where if they do they if they bring in other pass catchers if they sign DeAndre Hopkins tomorrow he's in huge trouble right? right so that that's the concern that he ends up being like a Cameron Brate or Anthony Ferkser who is just a smaller part-time tight end. But if they decide that this guy is going to be the slot wide
2: receiver, that we can start a tight end in fantasy football. Oh boy, I get, I get all fired up just thinking about it. This could be the worst QB situation in the NFL too, in Tennessee. With Tannehill like and, yeah. and Will Levis. I mean, look, Tannehill is still easily the best there. But yeah. if, if he starts to slip and they go to Levis or Malik Willis, who they seem to have already given up on, it might get real ugly. Uh let us let's, let's do this to wrap it up here. Um Coop, are there any other tight ends below uh, you know, the top 24 that you feel passionately about to bring up at the end of the show, either positively or negatively? Uh, you know, we we you know, we kind of looked for us before the show down to our top 40. Is there anyone from that group that you really, really like or really, really dislike? Yeah, I'll throw the negativity out first.
4: So like I said, end on a positive note, right? Yeah. Uh, da- Dawson Knox, before the show, you asked me, you're like, oh, you forgot Dawson Knox. And what did I say? You said mm- I didn't forget him. I didn't forget him. I am. Yeah. The thing with Dawson Knox is we talk about opportunity and how you need to seize that. He's been in the league for a while. Stephon Diggs was the guy. Gabe Davis – kind of left the door open, man, right? Like he wasn't the guy we thought he was going to be. That was Dawson Knox's opportunity to, to to swoop in and be a top two target on the team in a high-powered offense and prove that he's that dude. And he didn't do it. And instead they went out and they drafted the newest version of Zach Ertz, which pushes him in line. Now he's going to be a guy that's just touchdown dependent and they signed him to an extension. So if Dalton Kincaid is anything, now we're basically sitting here waiting for uh, Dawson Knox's contract to, to run out so that he can leave. It's just like, he's in such dead water that I almost, I, if you can trade him, trade him, but I just, I don't know what we're waiting for. What do we need to happen? We need Dalton Kincaid to completely bust and Gabe Davis to just be okay. And then Knox to take us step forward. I mean, it's possible. It's just, I, there's too many other options, right? Um, so, for did you guys want to weigh on a Knox before I give my last? Well, guy for,
2: for Knox, I, I'll tell you what one thing is um, I know that, and I forgot about this, fits that hand injury from Knox last year, right? Like yeah. uh, that wasn't like one hand double the size of the other hand because it was so swollen or it was whatever. It like so, hand. Yeah,
4: right? yeah, it was crazy.
2: <laughs> so, I, I that was factoring into why he didn't pick it up when Davis went down, of course, not even went down. Davis was just bad. Uh, so, I'll give him a little leeway there also looking at his contract he is cuttable after 2024 which is still not great right now uh which is why i have him as a tight end three at best uh but you know they're not gonna keep him on for i think it's 12 million bucks if he's not doing anything yeah you can save 7.8 in 2025 and then 12 uh the the following year um by cutting him so he'll be gone and off to a different opportunity i believe after the 2024 season anyway which is a little light but like you said Right now, Kincaid is their guy. They spent a first-round pick on him. The investment its not a one-for-one. One. I know our buddy Chris Harris would say it's a crutch argument. I, I understand it's not a one-for-one, one, but sometimes you read the tea leaves. So I understand uh, the the knock on knocks, no pun intended there, uh, for real. Uh, Fitzy, you got anything on Dawson? No. Coop
3: covered it. Go <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so to the next
2: side. Who would positive on, Coop? Yeah, and
4: the thing is, like, you guys, where you have them, it's fair. You have them, like, 30, right? So it's like you're putting them in that range where it's like, you know, it's just like that's where you put the guys who you're rooting for to get cut so they can get a fresh start, you know. Uh, Of of these later guys, one guy that I'm above ECR on, and I think Pat is as well, is uh, Isaiah Likely. And what I loved about him is that it's kind of like the Trey McBride where we got to see a brief, ever brief window with a couple games there. Uh, where he was the guy. And if you take just I know it's such a small sample size, but if you take his usage in those games, it is exactly what they use Mark Andrews to do. In fact, I talk about pass blocking a lot because it's only been uh, essentially since I've been doing this three players that blocked on more than 15% of their pass plays and, and finished top five. And they were uh, George Kittle, 2019 unicorn, uh, Rob Gronkowski, super unicorn and then Julius Thomas in a year that Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdown passes <laughs> so it doesn't happen right but if you sort by that stat Isaiah likely was number one in the entire league he blocked on like four pass plays they just put him in the slot that's what he does uh you know and 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 if something happens, are, are you the trying to
2: Yahoo to put him white out By the way, yeah, uh, no, I don't want that. I don't know. No,
4: no, no. Delete that part. Delete that part. We don't want. <laughs> we don't want that at all, dude. No. If, if Mike If Mike Geseki gets franchise tagged as a tight end and doesn't fight it, then we're all safe. We're all safe. But yes, no. Delete that part, Fox. I don't want that at all. Dude. I don't want that at all. We want him to be. We want wide receivers. We could start at tight end. So that's what we want, right? And I'll add this part. Uh, Anyone out there, after you finish listening to this pod, go look up what Isaiah likely showed up to camp looking like this year. He's got the afro, he's got this mustache. If that doesn't get you fired up for Isaiah likely, <laughs> I don't know what will, man. You saw it fits. Yes, I see you nodding yes. your head. Yeah, he looks, he's looking ready to rock yes. and roll. <laughs>
2: Fitz, anybody else uh, in this range that you want to be? Uh, you want to throw some shade on or give some love to here?
3: Not really. You know, Coop covered Isaiah Likely. Uh, you know, I, I was happy to see that. A little more disappointed that Coop didn't have uh, Jake Ferguson in his top forty, but that's okay. We're not going to throw shade <laughs> at our guest for that. Um, I just want, like, maybe I want to circle back real quick and just mention a guy who was in our tight end two range, and I was glad to see the Coop was also kind of high on Mike Gesicki relative to ECR. I just think. um Here's a guy still one of the more athletic tight ends in the league and it was really weird that the Dolphins franchised him only to uh basically cut his snaps in in half last year. That was really strange, but now he's reunited with Bill O'Brien, his college coach at Penn State. And uh you know, the last time Bill O'Brien was calling plays for the Patriots, not saying we're going to see a repeat of this, but uh you know, I think the tight ends there combined for like 2300 receiving yards and 24 touchdowns. Granted, Boy, those was bronc, granted Fitz, Hunter, Henry, Hunter Henry and Mike yeah. Kosicki are not Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, but um, you know, I think it kind of showed maybe that uh, tight ends kind of an important deal in the Bill O'Brien offense.
4: Yes. You pointed out, it's kind of interesting with, uh, with the, the Dolphins, like the, there was clearly a disconnect between the GM and the coach there because they've franchise tagged Gusecki, they signed Cedric Wilson, they signed Chase Edmonds, and uh, Mike McDaniel was just like, nah, <laughs> yeah, I, like, I'm all set with those guys, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, Gusecki, like, let's play the game. Early on in your rankings, and your drafts, you say, why? Why do I love these guys? Why do I love Chig? Why do I love Mark Andrews? Later on, we start saying, why not? right? Why can't Mike say like, so after Juju, who's the second target on that team, right? We don't even know if it's going to be Juju, but it
2: could, I mean, it could be Mike. Kisiki, He's banged probably. up. Yeah. It could be right? Mike. It could be born. It could be Parker, but they're also, they're in the Hopkins sweepstakes as well. So right. exactly. Uh, you know, so it makes it tougher to rank him right now, but I, I understand the love and the skill is there. It just seems like he always gets under the skin of, whatever coaching staff he doesn't do something and then derm Smythe ends up leading his team in snaps you know and he's talented but in terms of tight ends in the nfl he's middle of the line he should not be getting snaps over gasicki and he does because he does the little things which is why gasicki annoys me with that stuff you don't know where he stands in the coaching staff from week to week but as fitz pointed out back with bill o'brien probably a good spot to be for him He needs the right scheme. That's 100% the situation. Like with Adam Gase. Adam
4: Gase had him blocking on 17% of his pass plays. Like he was – he finished tight end 50-something. The very next year – yeah, Gaze. Oh my gaze is like the tight end devil, man. Like he, <laughs> he, even Julius Thomas blocked on in that year that he, like the Julius Thomas year, he was blocking on like 20% of his pass plays. Is just Peyton Manning brute forced him into tight end five or whatever it was, right? Yeah. But like so Gaze had him blocking 17%. Next year, Brian Flores and Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey was, you know, he had Tony Gonzalez running the second most slot snaps in the league behind only Heinz Ward. Uh, he had Eric Decker as the big slot. Like he basically said, you're going to be Eric Decker. And that's how he finished at tight end six. And then Mike McDaniel comes in and he goes, no, I need a two a tight end. So you're not going to play. So you got to hope that uh, this team, they're looking at it and saying, uh, well, for, they're looking at it and saying, we're going to put you in the slot. And Mike Gusecki as a free agent could have gone anywhere and he picked this spot. And there's a beat writer named Alex Barth for the Patriots that went through all the transcripts and pulled out nine different times that a a reporter said, what do you think about the tight end in Miami? And Bill Belichick started it by correcting them and saying, well, he's more of a big wide receiver. He pulled (laughs) nine different times where that's how it started. Well, we think he's more a big wide receiver. Now he's got the big wide receiver. I'm with you, Fitz. Uh, I think you might have him higher than me, but we both have him higher than consensus, I believe, right? Yes.
3: Yeah, I think yeah. they're even higher than... No, I am
4: higher. As you can tell, I've been thinking about it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about that one a little bit. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, look, that is going to wrap it up for Tight Ends. And, and Coop, uh, thanks for coming on. And and please plug everything that you're doing. Let everyone know where they can find you and what you got coming up here.
4: Yeah, I man. So uh, it's easy. Follow me at CoopAFiasco. I, I tweet everything out that I have... A lot of my articles are free. Some of them are in the draft guide. If I'm buying two draft guides this year, I'm getting fantasy alarm. I'm getting fantasy
2: pros. I'm winning all my leagues. So pretty simple, right boys. That's right. That's right. Fitzy at FITS underscore FF. What do you got coming up here, Fitzy?
3: We are rolling out, have rolled out our draft kit for redraft. So check that out. I mean, that's got everything you want. All the analysts, uh, players to target players to avoid our draft day cheat sheets, everything you need. And, uh, you know, of course you can always find the ECR, the expert consensus rankings at fantasy pros. Um, that's it. We've got, we've got you covered on redraft and dynasty, of course.
2: Uh, follow me here at Bogman sports. Of course, uh, I'm on this show. All my rankings are up uh, for fantasy pros and check out in this league where uh, we're doing mock drafts every single week. We did player debates with Debro. We got busts coming up this week as well. So please check that out at Bogman sports on the Twitter and that is it for us. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to the fantasy pros dynasty football podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fantasypros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros.